Calling all ninjas. Calling all ninjas. It's time for Lime Ninja Radio. Hello, Lime Ninjas. This is Lime Ninja Radio, the number one podcast for people who have Lyme disease and those who love them. Every journey through Lyme disease is different, and a cookie-cutter approach just won't work. You need ninja skills. I'm your host and acupuncturist, McKay Rippey, and this is episode number 145 with Lyme expert, Robin Shirley. Also, welcome with me to the studio, our show producer and the brains behind Lime Ninja Radio, Aurora. Hello, and in this episode, you will learn how Robin has made peace with Lyme disease, how she made peace with the potential that her child might develop Lyme disease, and TBYH.com, that stands for TakeBackYourHealth.com, which is Robin's website about nutrition for those with chronic Lyme disease. Thanks, Aurora. And what do you have for our Ninja Nugget this week? Well, it turns out that Radio Boston, which is W-B-U-R, has a series as part of their own Common Health podcast called Losing to Lime, which is overviewing things like, first of all, they acknowledge chronic Lyme, which is nice. It's on such a large stage as a Boston radio program, right? Yep. Um, so they acknowledge chronic Lyme disease. They talk about France's national plan to combat Lyme disease, as well as the prevalence of ticks and Lyme disease. And especially, and they especially talk about, and why I brought this up in the first place is that they talk about how ticks and Lyme disease doesn't have, doesn't know borders, town borders and things like that. So they get, gets into the more social sociological aspects, well, sociological, but gets into the common sense reality of just because your town says you don't have Lyme disease doesn't mean that there aren't ticks coming in from the next town over, that sort of thing. There's no ban on foreign ticks. There's no ban on foreign ticks. Coming over from the next county. No, indeed. They they don't get visas for that. That's for sure. They don't need a visa. They don't need a visa. (laughs) All right. I also want to remind everybody we have about a week left for our giveaway for the Keto OS. Mm-hmm. We've been running that giveaway now for a couple weeks, and it was part of our Lime Ninja Challenge, the Keto OS Challenge. So that has ended, but we're still doing the giveaway. So there's a, one more week if you wanted to just give it a try and get it for free, get mm-hmm. a chance. Right now there are 44 entries, so it's a fairly good chance you could win. Just head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com. If you haven't been there for a while, you'll get a pop-up and you'll see the entry form. The entry form. And just click, yes, I want enter. Just give <laughs> us your email address and you'll be taken right on over to the, the entry form. So that's that. Is there anything else I want to talk about? Oh, if you haven't signed up for our email list we have put together a Lyme journey survey and it's based on Dr. Horowitz's work and we've adjusted his questionnaire, Lyme questionnaire and made it more relevant for kind of day-to-day Lyme symptoms rather than, you know, have you ever been exposed to a tick type questions? And what we're looking to provide for you is a way to monthly check in to see how your journey's going. It's really hard to keep track of Lyme symptoms. They're so subjective. And, you know, sometimes we want to check every day, am I feeling better than yesterday? And there's so many ups and downs and twists and turns that you can lose track and lose hope. Kind of if you have a bad month, you, who wants to keep track of every day feeling worse and worse? So we think once a month is about the right time to check in take a survey like this, a consistent survey, and what? And just keep track just over, check over time. In. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's more to check in with yourself than anything else. Right. We don't have a lot of context what the score actually means. If you have a low score or a high score, obviously, you know, there's less symptoms, but we don't know really how significant those numbers are. But what is significant is how that changes for you over time. So head on. How can they get that? If you... If you haven't seen that with our email list, you can – how can they join our email list? Do we have anything on our website to do that? We may not. We got to fix that, Aurora. 
So if you haven't seen this, you want to just send an email for now. We'll get that stuff worked out. I just realized, oh my goodness, our marketing is awful. Uh, well, well, okay. We're trying. We're working on it. Yeah, we're working so on it. So send an email to info at LimeNinjaRadio.com. That's info, I-N-F-O, at LimeNinjaRadio.com. And I'll send you a link to that survey where you can get started with it. They're about, what are they, 44 questions, something yeah, like that? Yeah, it takes like five minutes to get yeah. through it all. Yeah, it's really not that difficult. It's a, it's a great way to keep track. We think you're going to really find more. And as time goes on, we'll add more features to that. Hopefully, I'd love to turn it into an app, have some graphing capabilities so you kind of look back and say, you know what? I really have come an awful long way, and here's the proof. It's also a tool that you can give to your doctor saying, look, what you're doing is making me worse or something like that, right? I'm, yeah. I was better than I was before I started 3,000 antibiotics or whatever, or this herb or this supplement. Okay, okay. moving right along. That was a really long intro this time. It's we had a, a lot to bit. say. <laughs> we do have a guest. I promise it's coming soon. Yeah. So, Aurora, rescue me and tell us more about today's guest and Lime Ninja and Lime Expert. And Lime Expert. Robin Shirley. So, Robin Shirley is the founding president of Take Back Your Health International, a company that hosts internationally attended conferences and retreats across the U.S. She speaks, consults, and writes about the Take Back Your Health lifestyle and how to reduce the symptoms of chronic illness. Okay. Oh, one last thing I forgot to tell, aside from the seltzer water there, (laughs) but the seltzer water reminded me. I have major updates for my shoulder and the lime flare that I have there. So hang around afterwards and I'll tell you all about that. I'm really excited about the progress that's been made and I'll tell you what I did to make that progress. But in the meantime, here's our interview with Robin Shirley. Hello, Robin. It's McKay from Lime Ninja Radio. Welcome. Hi, McKay. Thanks so much for having me. I am very excited to talk with you because you do so much around Lyme disease and health in general. And before we get into all that, I'd like to talk about how did you get into doing health seminars and teaching people about health? What's your background? Sure. So, well, it, it does tie in a lot to my uh, my story about uh, contracting Lyme disease, but um, at some point I decided I'm so interested in the natural health aspect and learning about nutrition specifically um, because I was doing everything I could to, to help myself heal. And so I, I started seeing improvements and, um, and wanted to learn more, got trained as a health coach in integrative nutrition, and then um, at that school, they, you know, they encouraged you a lot to teach cooking classes and um, host seminars. And I took it one step further. And the first event I did was a conference, a two-day conference. So um, oftentimes I'll bite off a little more than I can chew. But <laughs> anyways, that was <laughs> that maybe they, they weren't intending us to do that. But that's what I did the first time. And, you know, I've been doing it twice a year since then. And uh, um, I just love sharing uh, people who experts in the natural health field who are making a difference and helping people take back their health. I like sharing those people with my community. And that was the intention with the very first conference. I thought I want my neighbors and my community to know about these people and to hear from them in a, in a live in-person setting. So that was really the first event. And then it just evolved from there. Well, you know, that takes a ton of courage because a lot of people have ideas like that. And then when the reality comes kind of creeping up on you, you get struck with the fear of, you know, stage fright kind of, I mean, who's going to listen to me, right? Who's, who's going to come? Why, why will these experts be interested in what I'm doing? So just to be able to persevere through those moments of doubt, which is usually what, two or 3 a.m., right? And to, and to move forward mm-hmm. and do that really takes a lot. So that's amazing. And the other thing that's yeah. really cool, cause I interview people out on the West Coast, California, and, and a little bit more to the interior. And 
to a person, they always feel like there's no Lyme resources out there. And my impression is it's not true. There may be a little bit more hidden, but even around here in central New York, you still have to go out of your way to find Lyme competent people. So what, what's the, what do you find the climate? Cause you must be connected to the Lyme community out there. So what's it like in LA? Well, you know, it's very different. I, and just so everyone knows, I did grow up in Virginia, which is obviously right kind of in the heart of, you know, Lyme disease. Um, country and you've got you know the Shenandoah Valley which is where I contracted I believe I contracted the disease there Um, and then moving to LA was very different because there certainly are much fewer people who will um, have the disease and and actually even know what it is and I can I can tell that because I um, I host chronic Lyme nutrition seminars a couple times a year. And when I do it in Virginia, um, you know, 30, 40 people will be there. And when I do them in L.A., 6 to 10 people will be there. And I do, you know, same amount of marketing and awareness about it and maybe even more so in L.A. And so it's just a smaller community. Um, there are... A few support groups are not very active. There may be two or three in Southern California that I've been able to find. And then you've got, um, you do have a lot of natural health practitioners that know about it and they're very aware of all the issues that come along with Lyme, like parasites and heavy metals and the diet, um, the importance of nutrition. But you don't have a lot of, uh, you don't have a lot of doctors that are, um, that have huge practices full of Lyme patients. I definitely don't see a lot of that. You do have some, though. And then do you have people calling you out of the blue or contacting you on Facebook? Like we do around here for our little Lyme support group is we'll just get people that just kind of drip, 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 call, call, call. You know, can you help me? Mm -hmm. Who should I get in touch with? Does that happen out there as well, or is it still a little bit, behind on the awareness is kind of what you're saying. You know what happens to me, um, because I put, I put so much uh, online, I will have people from, you know, different parts of the world that will email me. And it is definitely concentrated in L.A. because that's where I, I am a lot. But I'll have, you know, the, the kind of person that ends up contacting me, which you might you might find this true for you too, is someone who's, kind of been through a ton already and they're at the point where they just they don't know what to do or where to turn and they're kind of um there's a little bit of an extreme word but they're a little bit desperate and they're really scared um and they know a lot but they are so confused by every different um opinion that they've heard it is really confusing. I just spoke with a woman who's been chronically ill all her life. And so we were kind of going back and saying, well, when do you think the Lyme started? Uh, part of her issues was she had multiple spinal injuries. But anyway, anyway so going back. But she's reading three books, three Lyme books at the same time, and it's her head spinning around. Mm-hmm. And it's the old uh, saw, you can only ride one horse at a time. So it's like, well, you got to choose. <laughs> and then if you find this book's not yeah. due to you, you know, then go ahead and jump on to the other one. And that's really what I'm kind of helping her sort out as well. But it can be awfully confusing, especially when you've got the CDC side of thing, and then you've got the alternative medicine side of thing, and then you have the functional medicine side of things. you got people who are combining all three. Uh, it's It can be head spinning, can it? Mm-hmm. And yeah, how, that's a perfect word to describe. And how how about you? How did you find your way? Because if you're doing all this stuff, you're mostly out of the woods, to borrow somebody else's book title, Katina's book mm-hmm. title. So mm-hmm. what, what kind of got you turned around and headed in the right direction with your Lyme? Sure. Well, it took, uh, gosh, my symptoms started when I was 11 years old. And looking back, I'm certain that's when the Lyme issue started. But uh, it took until I was about 24 or 5 to get a proper diagnosis. I think it was 24 years old. Yeah. Um, So it was about 
I guess that's 13 years where I was just floundering, trying to figure out, um, well, my original diagnosis was systemic juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, which is um, pretty common for uh, kids with Lyme to have that diagnosis in addition or instead of the Lyme. And it it mimics, or it, it's a lot of the symptoms are symptoms that Lyme can give you. So um, a lot of times that's what doctors will diagnose you with if they get a negative Lyme test. So that was my story when I was 11 years old. And then through middle school, high school, college, I was trying my best with nutrition. Um, my mom and I started juicing and uh, we did as much organic as we could and tried gluten-free for a little while, but that's really hard for, you know, a (laughs) 13-year-old. And (laughs) back then it was, you know, 2002, 2003, and, you know, there there weren't nearly as many. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So um, so anyways, we, uh, you know, we did the best we could, but I wasn't, I didn't know what I, what was out there. Um, that was possible with natural health. And so I went through conventional treatment for autoimmune disease Mm -hmm. and it ended up, you know, that, that treatment, the goal of it is to suppress your immune system. Right. And so when you have a Lyme patient, suppressing immunity is, you know, it's tricky. And so uh, I, I guess when I was in my second year, Virginia Tech, I had a moment where I just kind of, um, I was watching, and this might sound like a tangent, but I think it's really important just to tell this story. I was watching a uh, show on Bravo. I was at a formal event for a fraternity, and I was with a guy I was dating at the time, and I was just uh, taking a break from the festivities, and I I wasn't feeling very well. And I was watching The Real Housewives of Atlanta, which is not a habit of mine, but it was... Oh, it was come on. on. <laughs> Guilty pleasure. <laughs> yeah. Well, I definitely, definitely watched my fair share of reality TV. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> we have, uh, you know, we have those moments in life where we just kind of uh, wake up and say, what, what the heck am I doing? And that was one of those moments for me. I was watching women on TV who were concerned about things that, you know, I hadn't even had a chance to be concerned about because I was so sick. And I, sometimes I joke with my friends who are going through chronic illness, like, you know, at some point you just can't really spend a lot of time with people who are worried about what shoes they're going to wear that night or what bar they're going to go to. And I just, um, I realized I was I was spending a lot of my time with a lot of people who had different goals and values and not that it was in no judgment or anything, but I just needed to focus on myself and my, my health and what I was eating. And so that night, it was probably 2 a.m., I said, I need to go home and take care of myself. I yeah. can't focus on college right now. So um, from that moment, it felt like, my intuition kind of took over and I just surrendered to, um, yeah, I just kind of surrendered to following, um, following the breadcrumbs, I guess, and really just watching for signs. So Um, can I interrupt here at this point? You don't know it's Lyme disease yet, right? You still think it's arthritis and some autoimmune type. Well, it is obviously the juvenile arthritis is autoimmune, but maybe some other aspects of that as autoimmune as well. And so you drop, you drop out of Virginia tech. Mm -hmm. Is is that correct? I did. And yeah, so that was, you know, and my intention wasn't to, to drop out and leave completely. Um, You know, they have colleges have the options where you can, you can pause for a while due to certain life challenges um, so, so I went home though, and, and I started, I started looking around for healers in my area. It was at that point where I just, I had had so many bad side effects from medication that I had been to oncologists who were telling me I had 
large granular lymphocytes, which is like, you know, last step before lymphoma. And I was at Johns Hopkins, you know, mm-hmm. with scary, scary conversations happening. So I just, you know, I was at that point, I was like, you know, send me a, you know, a energy healer to fix all my problems. And um, so I was at that point, just really diving into natural health. And I found two things. Um, I found a meetup group in my area that was uh, whole food nutrition uh, topics. And so I started going and I started finding people and every, like every couple of days, the topic of Lyme disease would come up <laughs> and it would, it would be someone who had it and they were talking about how great their doctor was, or it was some news article in the paper or our cat came in and had two ticks on him. Um, and so, you know, I just, I said to my mom, I think I need to get retested. You know, everything's telling me that I should think about Lyme disease right now. So I went to, um, I went to the doctor that one of the women in that meetup group had been raving about. And then I got the blood work as best that, you know, I think it was the Western blot um, at that point. And I got him to really do a clinical um, analysis and then he, um, he, the blood work at that point did come back positive. So I think it was the difference of being tested too soon yeah. for me. Maybe I was tested within. I was tested within a couple of days or, or weeks the first time, right. and maybe it was too soon. So, um, so the blood work did come back positive that time, and he also gave me a clinical diagnosis and. We took that to two other Lyme specialists as well because my mom was like, you know, we're, we're going to be really certain about this this time and we're going to get lots of opinions so that we know the best treatment okay. to, to take. So three doctors, um, three doctors looked at everything and said, yes, I believe you have Lyme disease. And, um, and so, uh, you know, and they, did, they showed me all the co-infections and what my results were with those as well. So... Um, so we decided to pursue, and now I'm going, I've, I've told you so much that I might be telling you more than what you asked. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. It's all good. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm, you asked me, I think, uh, what was the turning point for me, but it, you know, it really was that night yeah. watching that TV show. And yep. then I just, from there, I just followed, you know, the signs. And I think that, that is an important piece with, with Lyme disease too, is to really listen to, um, listen to your intuition and, and follow the signs that you're being given. That's so important. Almost every story of a person with chronic Lyme, and I haven't interviewed people with other chronic illnesses, but I would imagine it's it's similar type of, of moment where it's that realization and taking things into your own hands. I mean, that's really another way of putting what you did is you're sitting there watching Desperate Housewives or whatever, Housewives of Atlanta, whatever that is, at a frat party and taking a break from it, you know, in college. And you're thinking to yourself, this isn't working for me. You know, and sometimes I've heard that story, you know, variations on the theme. They've been to their, you know, 12th doctor kind of thing. And they were sitting in the office and they're saying, this isn't working for me. And they decide, I'm just, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to do it. And just like you said, and following the breadcrumbs out of the, out of the darkness and, and toward the light. And it's little by little, but it's that moment where you take it on yourself, which like you said, is, is the turning point. It's not necessarily the treatment that, okay, all of a sudden, you know, now I've got my energy, although sometimes like that, but mostly it's, it's a decision, a decision that's made first that leads to all the, the positive. Cause then after that, it's up and down. It's a roller coaster ride. You go eight steps forward and 10 steps back and 12 steps forward and one step back. And it's healing is, is its own adventure, but there's that moment where, that you described so beautifully that happens and it's, it's that moment. And that's, that's the story I love to get on these interviews. So thank you for sharing it with us. Now let's shift gears a little bit because you have big news. You're a mama to be. (laughs) Yes. And being a woman with Lyme disease and pregnant 
has its own interesting things because I'm sure you've dived deeply, divin deeply, anyway, whatever the past tense of dive is, <laughs> into what, you know, the whole controversy of can it be passed from mother to child? How about breastfeeding? Is it safe? So forth and so on. And we've had, I have had guests on the show who have gone through extraordinary measures to, to protect their, their babies uh, from Lyme disease. So what are, what are your thoughts on there and how are you handling the stress of this or is there no stress for you? Tell me about it. Right. Well, um, I'll tell you a funny story first because I think a lot of people might relate to it. Um, my uh, partner, Ross, he is, um, he's just wonderful. And I've, you know, we, we obviously are always working on being healthier. And, um, I, I still have some Lyme symptoms. I feel 90% better or so than I was when I was at that point where I was saying I have to leave college and focus on my health. Um, I have some joint inflammation in my wrists a little bit, but it's, not something that will keep me from like opening a can or a jar of, of pickles or, or, well, pickles is the, you know, the theme of the year. Because <laughs> <of> the <pregnancy. laughs> hey, I picked up but, on that. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So it's, you know, and then I'll have headaches occasionally and I'll have, um, you know, I might have uh, some, you know, reaction to some food still. And so I still, working on my health and this pregnancy was a surprise. So I was, um, you know, I, I, if I was you know planning to get pregnant, I probably would have gone through another round of, you know, an herbal antimicrobial. Um, I might've done another like detoxification. Um, but you know, I didn't have a chance to do that. And so, so what my focus has really been is to, learn what I can do while I'm pregnant that's safe for the baby that is going to help reduce toxins and um, microbes in my body or bacteria that is unwanted in my body. And so it's been, um, you know, it's not something I'm really stressed about, actually. And this is what is going to be um, maybe a little bit controversial with some of the people listening. Um, I'm not... I'm not stressed about this because I I watched my body heal from Lyme disease to the point where it doesn't keep me from doing anything that I want to do with my life. Um, you know, going from having to be wheeled around in a wheelchair while I traveled, you know, in an airport because I couldn't walk uh, that far to being um, at the point where I could go hiking. I do go hiking you know, a few times a week and I run my own company and I, you know, I moved out to, you know, 3000 miles away from family. And that's, that's huge for me because I never thought that would be possible. And I'm really comfortable with, um, I'm really comfortable with the disease now because I've lived with it for so long and it doesn't scare me the way that it can in the beginning. Um, so if I were to pass it on to my baby I would feel comfortable, and obviously that's not something that I would want to happen. I mean, um, but if it did happen, it's you know there's not much that we can do um, uh, to guarantee that it won't be. There's a lot that you can try, but I don't think that um, you know just the sheer fact that you're sharing you know nutrients and fluids when in the womb. I think that you know. We, we can't control that so much. And so I feel comfortable enough that, you know, if she's born and if she starts developing symptoms, you know, obviously we'll have her tested and we'll keep an eye on it. And if she does start developing symptoms, I feel, I feel prepared to, um, to take care of her and to make sure that it doesn't affect her because of the way that I, I spent so much time researching and learning and experimenting with myself. So, it's a little bit strange to hear me say that maybe because a lot of women are really, really concerned. And I I understand that first time moms who don't have chronic illness get nervous. 
So what you're doing, and I'm going to ask you because you do have a sense of peace about you. And I think it's more than just your confidence with the ins and out of Lyme disease. What do you do to keep yourself calm? Because you obviously work on this. <laughs> I can smell it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Um it's interesting. And remind me, McKay, that I, I want to tell another story, too. Oops, my microphone is moving. It's migrating a little bit. Um, I want to tell another story before we move on to another topic. So remind me after I answer this question of yours. The calmness, um, the calm factor, uh, I've been told that before. And you know what I think it comes from? I think that it's it was from being beaten down <laughs> by this disease to the point where I didn't have, um, I was a really kind of hyperactive uh, preteen and I had a lot of energy and I was, you know, um, I was all over the place and I, I calmed down a lot when I got sick and I think it was my, um, my body's response to the stress of it. And it, it was just, um, okay, you know, I don't have as much energy to expend and, you know, I've, I've got to, I've got to conserve my energy and move and be and speak in a way that's more, um, more consistent or more, more, um, uh, sustainable, I guess. And so from there, it, it, it became, um, that was the beginning, but then it became, well, now I need to, I need to work on my stress levels mentally and emotionally too, not just my physical energy expenditure, but how do I manage my energy, my emotional energy and my mental energy and meditation did help a great deal. Um, a lot of people try meditation. It doesn't really fit well with them or, or resonate with them. And I was just really lucky from the beginning to be given some really good, um, or some meditation, guided meditation that resonated with me. And that goes back to when I said I came home and I was looking for anything and everything. And I found, I did find some energy healers that I, that I went to and, um, I got really, uh, I got really interested in Reiki energy healing. Um, and two women who were working in a wellness center, they, kind of took me on as, um, you know, someone that they wanted to help out and guide and become friends with. And I'm very grateful to them. So they taught me a lot about managing your energy levels, um, with meditation and, and Reiki and, uh, mindset. So I got into all the, you know, Wayne Dyer and Eckhart Tolle and Deepak Chopra teachings. And I just kind of, found a way to be at peace with what life was giving me. And, um, and I, and I, I really hope that, um, this can become something that everyone experiences with Lyme disease, but uh, I feel like, uh, Lyme disease has a lot of blessings in it. And I think that chronic illness, um, can be a really great teacher if you let it and if you surrender to it, um, there are moments when you don't want to keep going and when you want to die. And I've definitely had those moments. Um, but at the same time, if you can get through that, um, there's a lot of beauty on the other side and, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it for anything. I feel like I wouldn't be the same person. I wouldn't be as happy as I am now because I wouldn't be in the career that I'm in and I wouldn't know what I know. I wouldn't know what my, limits were and how strong it could be. It really strips away everything that you thought you were and either an opportunity to discover that one way of looking at it or to create it is another way of looking at it. That's a very inspiring story. I'm going to tell a little short story about surrendering. This is a, it's a funny, it's a, only a moment. It happened in, in a moment, but it, it's funny about surrender and how surrendering often can be th the right answer. And it's not surrendering as in giving up. It's just surrendering to the moment and letting what be is, is actually 
happening. And there's there's a great, before I tell my little story, there's a great quote from Lao Tzu. And he says, can you sit still long enough to let your mud settle? Like, can, can we stop floundering around long enough to see clearly where we are? So I'm in a swimming pool with my buddy, and we're about 10, 11 years old, something like that. And he gets a mouthful of water. And we're horsing around and starts panicking. And he starts trying to climb up. We're in the deep, you know, deep end. What is it? 10 feet, right? But too, too tall to stand up. He starts trying to climb on top of me to get to the air, right? And we're still kind of splashing near the surface. And in the, in the moment I started fighting him, it's like, wait a minute, why are you pushing me down? And then it dawned on me. I was like, oh, he's not horsing around anymore. He's, he's panicking. So I held my breath and let him climb on top of me and he pushed me down and he got up and I went to the bottom and th- he was fine. And then I floated back to the surface. But the moment I had stopped fighting him, it's like the situation resolved itself within seconds. And otherwise, it would have been the lifeguard diving in trying to rescue two of us probably. <laughs> but it's one of those funny yeah. moments where surrender can just, you know, the clarity. But it's the clarity of the moment before, before I surrendered. Mm-hmm. Now. Oh, yeah, that's a wonderful story. You were going to tell us another story. Yeah. Well, well, yes, I, it's in a totally different tone, but you know, I, so I have to let your story settle in for a minute and just say that it's such what you said, letting, can you, can you, that quote, can you, um, sit still long enough to let the mud settle around you? And if I could impart this mindset on the Lyme patients who talk to me, oh my gosh, it would make such a difference. There, uh, a lot of, a lot of people are just, um, going and going and going and learning and doing. And, and the missing piece, I think for a lot of people is to sit and surrender and listen and, um, and let your, your thoughts clear so that you can see, you know, see the path forward. So that was a really great way to to say that. Thanks for sharing. You're welcome. And one more aside before we get to your story. Have you had your 23andMe done? Have you had your... No, I haven't. We, we should talk about that afterwards. <laughs> anyway, so one of the patterns... So I study with Bob Miller, who's a naturopath out in somewhere by Lancaster, Pennsylvania, in the middle of Amish country out there. And he started getting very interested in the genetic components and patterns that show up with Lyme disease. And one of the things that shows up fairly regularly is many people with chronic Lyme disease have what's called high glutamate. And glutamate is a neurotransmitter and is what makes us kind of like you were talking about as a young girl. It makes us excited and interested in things and perky and very intelligent. So these high glutamate people, that's it's what they do. It's their brains prime to go learn stuff and be excited about things. And then part of the glutamate then is gets converted into GABA, which is a calming and concentrating uh, chemical. So if it doesn't do that, then you hop from things. So you're more like ADHD type thing. You hop around from subject to subject. If you have enough GABA, then you're able to really drill down and focus. So these Lyme people, they're some of them, I'm not saying this is everybody, but they're primed essentially to keep stirring the mud. It's like they got to learn more and more and more because that's where their brain's going. And so whether you're calming that down through meditation is a wonderful way to do it, right? Hiking in the mountains, some people connect with nature. Sometimes some herbal supplements can help begin to quiet the brain down some and calm things down. But once you begin to trigger that those pathways, the calming pathways, you know, take the deep breath, take a pause and a lot of times less, less is more. Like my patient was reading her three line books at the same time. It's like one, one's enough. One's enough. There's enough wisdom in one book that probably that's, that's all you need. But we keep wanting to discover more and discover more and we're staying up late and then you get the whole sleep cycle and that's disturbed anyway because of what the Lyme is doing and so forth and so on. And it gets, it gets to be the point. That's why I asked you about the, the meditation is because you clearly have gotten past that excitatory phase and you're able to regulate that on your own. And that's so important. 
in life in general. It's a life lesson. It's just something we have to do in general. Most people, intelligent. I don't, I don't mean that as an insult, intelligent, but the people who like have active brains, I don't necessarily mean intelligent. The people with active brains, and so this yin yang in, in Chinese medicine, and there are people who really just aren't that interested. Like I have, I have one patient. He's a, he's an electrician up at the local college and he's in charge of the security systems on the college. So there's, the swipeys that let the kids get going in and out of the students go in and out of their dorm rooms. And he tells a story. Yeah. You know, I'm really interested in this new technology and he's a little bit older than I am. He's approaching retirement age. And some of the electricians up on who, who I work with, they don't want to learn anything new. Like they, they learned something 30 years ago and that's all they want to do. So it's like, here's a man with an active mind who's not formally educated, but he has a very active mind and wants to keep learning. And then there are people who are the other way around, right? Who are very kind of calm, quiet minds. They're very deliberate in what they're doing. They're very slow. They're very happy being in their little ruts. And it's okay. It's, it's not a judgment either way. But when you've got Lyme disease and you've got this very hyperactive brain to begin with, it can cause more problems when what you need to do is be calm and quiet and begin to heal that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, because I specialize in nutrition, um, you know, with this disease, it's, I see that with people jumping from diet to diet and wanting to try different things and, you know, desperate to find what works. And then they go down and they go deeper and deeper and they eliminate and eliminate foods and they're, they're, brain is is desperately trying to put this puzzle together of what food combinations are going to be right for them and um and so i i see that all the time that active brain with lyme disease and and just trying to you know figure everything out it's it is um it's a a hard combination to have that and want to also heal and you know going in circles and but um but yeah the the meditation helps a great deal. The nutrition helps a great deal in calming things down too because when I eat um, certain foods, I can noticeably, um, I mean, my, my anger and irritation noticeably increases sometimes um, in okay. certain situations if I've had I have uh, to ask, you know, certain foods. What's the number one anger food for you? <laughs> oh, <laughs> well. Or should I uh, ask your partner? <laughs> 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 it it has more to do it has more to do with like the processed foods. If I'll have something okay. like um something from a box that's like a cra- like crackers or mm-hmm. if you know you know, he he doesn't have food allergies so he can eat stuff. We do organic with him, but he'll have you know organic mac and cheese sometimes if yeah. he's if he's in the mood. And I might have a bite or two, and then or you know I might have a whole bowl if I'm in the mood for it, and it, it won't affect me too much, but it will it will change my mood and. Uh, so what do you think yeah, is – what additives do you think do that? For, have you tracked it down well, or you just don't care? No. You know, I I see it happening a lot in with um, pesticides. If it's ah. something that I know – if I know something – and I'm really um, doing a lot of looking at glyph- glyphosate yeah, and what yeah, yeah, yeah. now about it um, – it's, it changes, you know, it tells, it changes the way that your good microbiome yes, acts and, exactly. and commu- communicates. Yep. Um, it's a really intelligent chemical. And so my, I, when I know I've had something that has pesticides, whether it's glyphosate or not, that's when I notice the biggest difference. And so for me, before I even get into like autoimmune paleo or elimination stuff with people, the first thing I say is, can you do as much organic as possible? Um, and so that's kind of, for me, that's a big one. Have, uh, it have, changes my mental state. Have you listened to or read stuff by Stephanie Seneff? Are you familiar with her? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, she's very, very interesting and comes at it from an engineering background. I I find personally listening to engineers about health is much sometimes more enlightening because they're not medically trained. The doctors seem to at some point get trained to think uh, singular cause, singular effect, and the engineers more come at, at it from a systems point of view. And I think these complex problems that we're facing like Lyme disease and its co-infections and the toxicities – 
piled on top of each other. You need a whole system thinking. So it's more, more Chinese medicine type of thinking. So I find an engineer who gets into health can be quite refreshing because they just think about it in different ways. They look at the same research, but they say, well, we've got this piece over here and this piece over here and put it all together in new and interesting ways. Okay. Yeah, we so have to me, tell we have to tell that, that story. story. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, um, they're all hanging on the edge of their seats, wanting to hear the story. <laughs> I am. So I, I don't know. It's it's it may now we've built it up so much. Um, so, anyways, it's a it's back to you know how am I how am I reconciling the the fact that I my body definitely still has some lime in it. I mean, I won't pretend that it doesn't. And I, I know that, you know, some people believe that you never will get rid of it, but you can, you can, um, your body can put it into check, so to speak. And then some people believe that you can get rid of it. So, um, I'm more along the lines of, I think that it's, it's your body more just, um, becomes stronger than it is. And, um, and that it can always hide. I mean, you have 200 miles of, of, pathways in each tooth that you know where bacteria can hide and fluids and nutrients flow to keep the teeth healthy so it's just very hard to eliminate I think from your body completely but as a mother you you know you worry that it's going to be given to your child and so um, we talked a little bit about my mindset about that and it was funny it wasn't even on my radar to be too concerned about it because I like I said I, I feel so comfortable with with how to handle Lyme disease. And this is a mother-in-law story. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now I'm all ears. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, uh, gosh, well, my Ross, uh, his stepmother is, she's so high energy and she's so interested in, in, um, everything it seems. And she'll research it. You're interested in something. She'll want to, she'll want to learn about it too. And she'll go research it. And we went to visit earlier this spring and she, um, you know, she was telling me what she knew about healthy pregnancy because her, her daughter's gone through it. And, um, so we get, we get home and, and she starts communicating with Ross about all this Lyme disease stuff during pregnancy because apparently she's, after she's found out that that's my health history and, um, you know, I'm pregnant now. And so she starts researching it and she finds all this stuff online, you know, Dr. Google about how dangerous it is. And, you know, she finds the, you know, the scariest of the scariest articles about passing this on to your child and, you know, antibiotics, some women are on antibiotics, the whole pregnancy. And, um, you know, she starts texting Ross and saying, you know, has she been to a doctor yet? Does she have antibiotics? She needs to be on them the whole time and all this stuff. And, and really, you know, getting a little bit um, uh, paranoid. And so for me, it, it was a struggle because I I felt like, you know, I, I didn't want, I, I didn't think she realized that I had overcome a lot of the, the symptoms and I was in a place where I felt that I didn't need treatment and, and I felt, and she also, she didn't know a lot about, um, about natural treatments and what I had done. And, and so, and she didn't know my mindset about the pregnancy either. So there was a lot of stuff that I had to just, you know, accept and, you know, that's how she was going to be and, and just listen and let it roll off my shoulders. But it did, it did, uh, provide a little bit of a benefit to me too. I'm always looking for the positives, but um, it was it was a struggle because you you know it's like your mother-in-law telling you what to do and how to take care of the baby. Um, but I did take from it that it was something I needed to look into a little bit more and just be educated on a little bit more than I was. And even though I wasn't going to be concerned and worried about it, I needed to, I needed to respect that she was and that a lot of people are and, and kind of find out what those, you know, what people are thinking. So I just started, I just started reading a few articles and just being in touch with that. And so it was, <laughs> I, you know, other people have had probably 
much more difficult conversations with in-laws, but that was my first major experience with that. As a dad, and really it affects moms much more than dads, right? We're, we're, we do kind of, the gender roles do apply and they're deeply ingrained wherever they come from. And it was interesting to see my mom and my wife interact and she would, they would both bite their tongues at times because <laughs> there's, there's so many, uh, there's so many opinions. It's, you know, you know what else is very interesting because you're, we're kind of both in this role. We've got this expert role now. All these roles used to be carried out by families. And then as the families begin to multi-generational families, and then as the, so the grandmother was the font of wisdom. And if you had a parenting question, you wouldn't go to Dr. Spock. So in, when I was a baby, my mom read Dr. Spock. He was like one of the first experts out there. You didn't read Dr. Spock. You went and asked auntie or you went to ask grandma for the advice. And that's how advice was passed on. And then all of a sudden you have families moving to the cities and away from me. So they're just like you have. And so there's this void of comfort and knowledge. And that's where all these experts stepped in. So the thing about experts is, is they all have different areas and, and ways of doing things for the most part. So now you have to choose between your experts. You didn't get to choose your auntie. She was there and she would tell you what to do. And if not, she'd probably scold you. <laughs> so it's funny, the dynamics, yeah. the, everybody who has my, I guess my point is, is not to do kill on the, the, the politics of experts, but rather that we all have anybody with children has come across that, that somebody has an opinion about bedtime. You know, do you have a set that bedtime? Do you let them free range? Do you do, you know, do you eat this? When do you introduce foods? Blah, blah. There's so many different uh, parts of this that are just involved with childhood and child rearing anyway. And then you throw in an extra level of chronic disease on top of that. And it's just one more area to negotiate. So really you're getting a head start. So you work this out with your mother-in-law, you'll be in great shape when the baby comes along. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the being the 3000 miles away does ease the, the <laughs> blows a little bit. <laughs> That's great. So you've been so very generous with your time this Sunday morning, and I would love for you to let, all the listeners out there know about your workshops, how to get in touch with you, how to find out more about what you're doing. Why don't you give them your digital addresses and what's the best way to learn about what it is that you do and help people with? Sure. So um, as we spoke in the beginning, um, the conferences that I host, um, we started calling them take back your health conference. And uh, it's kind of, as you said, there's this moment where you realize that, you know, it's me, it's me, my responsibility. And, you know, I've got to take control. And, um, you know, that happened for me. And I, that's why we called it take back your health. I talked to all my friends and family and I said, what do you guys think about this name? And it's like, that's perfect. That's what, that's what you're doing. And that's what you want to teach people to do. So take back your health conference dot com is the main website for the the event um but from there you know i have a blog where i will do videos and i'll talk about um you know recipes and foods that i'm eating and we're going to be turning it into like a community soon in the future where you can um, join in and so we call it club tbyh which stands for club take back your health but um so basically clubtbyh.com is where I do most of the writing and blogging and everything. And lastly, um, there is a uh, retreat page, which is takebackyourhealthretreats.com. And that is the other type of event that I do, which is, is a four-day retreat to uh, – we go to the Outer Banks in North Carolina. We're in um, – the Blue Ridge of Virginia, and then I'm doing one in Southern California. So that's where I really teach um, in-depth nutrition and meditation. Um, and then, uh, so all of those are connected. All those websites are connected. If you go to one, you'll find the other. Um, but I did tell you um, also in our email briefly that I just started a chronic Lyme nutrition 
com website to give people resources if they're floundering in that area. So um, what I noticed is a lot of people have trouble with um, energy levels and um, their budget is tight because they're doing so many treatments. So I thought, well, instead of someone having to hire a nutritionist and buy all this expensive food, why don't I make some kind of subscription where they can just you know, get a meal plan every week and get ideas on what to eat and recipes. And then I'll give them a shopping list where it's real budget friendly and they can go to Trader Joe's if they want. Um, and, or they can go to their budget grocery store and then, uh, just have like a, a a step-by-step plan. So that's on chroniclimenutrition.com. And again, that's connected to all my other websites too, but those are the, those are the four main ones. That's quite a bit. We'll have a link to all those individually on the show notes section. So if you're riding in your car and you didn't get that, just go over to LimeNinjaRadio.com and we'll have all of those links spelled out exactly so you can go to what you're interested in. Otherwise, go to Club TBYH, Take Back Your Health. It's easy to remember, mm-hmm. .com, and then you can find all those links there as well. Robin, thank you so much. It's been so much fun talking with you. Yeah, thank you so much, too. I had a great time, and I'm really, really excited to just be connected, and I've started listening to all of your podcasts now, too, and it's just wonderful. Thank you so much for what you're doing. You're very welcome. I signed up for your email list, too, so we'll definitely stay in touch. Yeah. All right. Great. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Robin had a lot of great things to say. And what struck me the most was her, the, the, the conversation you got into about being at peace with Lyme disease. And that is a theme that, that almost harkens back to kind of our first year of publishing and the, the folks that we were, that we were talking to about their, that their healing really began when they were able to be peaceful with how sick they were. Yeah. Yeah. We, that was a major theme that occurred again and again. It wasn't really conscious on our part. It's just what the guests were saying. And it was so obvious and so powerful. Some of those early episodes Mm -hmm. and It brings to mind, remember one of the early episodes was with Jack Daniel, and he was one of my teachers way, way back when I was at acupuncture school. And one of the courses he's put together for his patients with chronic disease, and not necessarily Lyme disease only, uh, but but other issues, is a course called Trust, Forgiveness, and the Path to Peace. And it's such, it's a struggle. Here's the truth. It's a struggle for everybody. But having Lyme disease, really bad Lyme disease of any kind of illness, really puts that in your face and gives you really, really no choice. You can either suffer. There's the pain of the disease, but then there's the suffering. That's kind of the old old uh, Taoist and Buddhist commentary that pain in life is unavoidable, but the suffering is your choice. Mm -hmm. So you can have pain, but the sufferings, you know, the woe is me and the I'll never get better. And why this happened to me, that's, that's, that you can choose to keep and nourish or let go of. And really Lyme disease gives a opportunity to really work through that at a powerful, powerful way. And the people who are able to do this, and it's not easy but the no. <laughs> people who are able to do this and and who we talk to find this level of peace that's just profound. I mean, yeah. it's really inspiring. I, I mean, mean, you can hear you can hear yeah. it in Robin's voice, especially when she talks about Absolutely. it. Absolutely, like, I don't have that. No, <laughs> you know, it's it's not you know yeah. some, something I can admire from afar. But you know, I have not been through the crucible for a big fancy word like like she has. Uh, anyway, if you want to go back to some of those early episodes, the one I mentioned with Jack Daniel, he's one of my favorite people in the world. That's number 17 all the way back. Just go either to iTunes and you can scroll way back or into Stitcher and just keep scrolling down and you'll eventually get back because we're at 145 now. We're at 145. We're way back. <laughs> all right. I promise I talk about my arm. 
what happened, what kind of brought this around. So I did the Cowden protocol, protocol right after I got sick. And I think that helped me kick whatever virus kind of flared up there. I think that was helpful. It wasn't a major breakthrough, but I'm, I'm very glad I did it. I've since then, I've been doing some Chinese herbs and some other things. Uh, uh, I think real helpful. I've been doing some nitric oxide supplements, both skin biome based and also ingestible. So an, an oral. But what made a huge difference, I'm going to set you up a little bit here too, 4th of July, I really got off my keto diet. I was in mild ketosis at that point. 4th of July comes along, you have a little ice cream, you have a little 4th of July blueberry, strawberry, white, red, white, and blue crepe that my other daughter makes. And then before you know it, life is tasting like a lot of sugar. <laughs> Anyway, in terms of ketosis, there was none. So I, I had to get back in it. And I decided to do it with essentially a 48-hour fast. ended up being about a 48-hour fast. And I ate nothing but salad. We have wonderful lettuce growing in the garden. So that bolts was available. In the yeah, well, I'm trying to get it before it bolts, right? <laughs> and olive oil, olive oil-based dressing. And that got me back into ketosis in a hurry. I measure my ketones, actually breath acetone with a ketonic stick. So you plug it in and you blow and when it blows red and it gets red quickly, it's a you lot know, of fun. You know you're <laughs> you know you're in serious ketosis. So I got to the point where I'd just blow on this thing and it would light up red in a big hurry. And ever since then, the daily progress in my ability to move my arm and the strength in my arm has made leaps and bounds. It's really been phenomenal. In the past five days, I've made more progress in the past five days than maybe the previous 30 days combined. It really is – look, I can oh. – Yeah. I can – you can't see it, <laughs> but I'm moving my arm up. And last week when I went to show you that, I could, I could get yeah. my hand up about my shoulder, but I yeah. couldn't – couldn't you know put your hands up kind of thing i couldn't do that at all with my right hand and now it goes halfway yeah and it's like at the beginning of the at the beginning of the week he could he was kind of grunting like a weightlifter to get his arm the rest of the way up and now it's like oh we can do it all the way now no problem so it's it's a big difference and the ketogenic diet did that now i was taking some also to help me get going i was taking the orange dream keto OS and that to help get my ketones level up into a therapeutic range. So I was doing that as well. So that may have something to do with it, but you don't have to take the ketones, exogenous ketones. They help, but it's not necessary. You can do this. You know, something you may want to look into with your doctor, with your healthcare professionals is a couple day fast. And I don't mean a couple of like complete fast, no. right? I was still eating something. Um, but that's something you might want to look into just depending on your level of health and what can be done. Ketogenic diet, what they're looking into with how it turns off mTOR and inflammation and kickstarts healing, it's really the least inflammatory diet out there. It's the least inflammatory state the body gets into. It's really remarkable. They're doing amazing research with cancer and these anti-inflammatory processes. It's going to explode onto the scene. And it's really, I think, the secret behind a lot of the protocols that we see, these vegetable-based protocols and these uh, lean Atkins yeah. and even paleo, once you get rid of all the sugar, your body starts getting into ketosis. And then you start adding in all these leafy green vegetables. It kind of works with the noxide, uh, the nitrous oxide, nitric oxide portion of things. And nitric oxide is another fascinating chemical. I'm going to be telling you more about that in the future once we get some things together there. But the combination of the two, they work hand in hand, the nitric oxide and the ketones in the body to really create an environment in which the rest of the body can do a work, do its work. And that's what you want to do because otherwise you're just going around playing whack-a-mole because everything's so intricately interlaced. You know, if you just take one multivitamin or one vitamin, you know, the chance of it actually helping can be slim. And that's why the herbal, I think herbals are so much more helpful at times than the antibiotics is because they're broad acting. They have a much broader range and they're affecting multiple systems at the time where an antibiotic is really affecting one, one system at a time or one type of bacteria at a time, or even one target on the bacteria at a time. Okay. So that's the update. Remember to head on over and enter our keto OS giveaway. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Speaking (laughs) of that, right. We're giving away a whole box 
there are only 44 entries at the time. So if you put yourself in and you have better than a one in 50 chance, which is pretty good for a giveaway. Pretty good. Right. We, we only, we're not getting flooded with hundreds. So it's really good chance you could win this. And uh, the Keto S is a great supplement. Uh, we're looking at others out there. So we may have, you know, always looking for something that's more cost effective. And we may have some other information on different supplements after we test those out. So we'll keep you up to date. We're always looking out for you, trying to do what's best for you. Yep. And in the meantime, this is the best. This is the best we got. This right. is the best we've been Eas- able to find so easiest far. to order. Price is not cheap, but it's reasonable uh-huh. and it's a good product. We've tested out ourselves and it works. Yep. So anyway, we're giving away for free. <laughs> LimeNinjaRadio.com. Go over, have a look. All right, Aurora. Lastly, as the rest of you out there know, our longtime Lime Ninjas know, this podcast would not be complete unless we left you with the Lime Ninja Fact of the day. Did you know ninjas can eat rice with one chopstick? Lime Ninja Radio is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized medical advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's medical situation is unique and Lime Ninja Radio should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized medical advice. Lime Ninja Radio is not licensed to render medical advice and should be considered simply the public opinion of Lime Ninja Radio and its guests. Recommendations on specific treatment options are not intended to address any listener's particular medical situation. As always, contact your physician before considering any new treatment.